Hi guys, welcome to the Real Messy Podcast, where we have real messy conversations that occur in education. This is Jennifer Nace, and I'm here with Rachel Lisinski, Victoria Loeb, and Shayna Piggott. Teaching high school students is a lot of responsibility. And teachers spend a lot of time thinking about and planning for their students every day. It can be hard to find time to engage in philosophical conversations about education that help us grow as educators. So tune in as we try to make sense out of the messiness that can be education by encouraging our students to be relevant, engaging, authentic learners. Let's dive in. All right. The article we're discussing in this podcast is entitled, I Work With Kids, Here's Why They're Consumed With Anxiety, by John Thornton Jr., published January 10th, 2019, on Vox.com. So um, today what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about this article. Just like normal, my husband sent me this article, and it randomly came up. We were in a meeting last week, and we were talking about an article that maybe would have controversy surrounding it. And I was like, oh, I, I just have one here. My husband just sent this to me last night. And it talks about, um, it's written by um, a pastor from North Carolina who's talking about his a group of students that he's working with, but it, it really focuses more so on them as humans and like kids, and he's worried about their anxiety and their stress. And I brought it up in, in, our, in this classroom, and Shane is laughing over there, because <laughs> her response was so immediately like, if you could only see my face. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The idea, and you guys can kind of step in here. We've all read this article now. By the way, we have Tracy Landry joining us today. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Um, She got uh, thrown into this conversation just organically about five minutes ago as we were getting ready. Um, But the article talks a lot about the idea that schools and school technology in particular are adding extra pressure to students' life versus their social media and what they do in their private life. So, kind of interesting. Yeah, it it was interesting, too, that when he asked students about how they were feeling just about life in general, before he even pointed out anything about technology, he just said to the kids at this youth retreat, um, what do your lives feel like? And their words were stressful, complicated, over-involved, full of transitions, anxiety, uncertainty, pressure, and exhaustion. Mm -hmm. So that happened before he even started going into his argument about social media at all. Or I'm sorry, academic media. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I do think, like, we've all heard this for a long time, right? The argument of social media and the argument of technology Mm -hmm. and screen time and me with little kids. I know that's something that I end up reading a lot about kids in screen time. But what I was surprised by is I've always literally just put all the blame on things like social media. I have never heard anyone talk about it in terms of the technology we do in our building for our students and the things that we introduce to students as being negative. And that was kind of very interesting for me to ponder. And I think it's interesting to point out what he was referencing in terms of school technology mm-hmm. right that again to your point it's not just social media but he referenced the online grade books that students and parents have 24 7 access to but also notifications can be set up so that at any time of the day if a, if a grade is altered a student or a parent is notified 
Um, the author references apps that um, send out messages like Remind or others like that that send out regular notifications so that whatever time of day students might be getting communication from teachers. Um, and so I, I, he broadens the conversation right beyond yeah. social media. And I do think it's important for families to think about um, the role of those kinds of technologies and what they can do. I can say that as a parent, um, I get these notifications about my own children's mm -hmm. academic progress, and it can be uh, a source of stress, right, where I'm sitting in a meeting and up pops, say, a bad grade on an exam. And so the next thing I know, I'm shooting off a text to my son saying, what's going on here? And it just adds, you know, elevates um, what can already be a pressure-filled situation. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's yeah. interesting to think about from an institutional perspective, but also from a family perspective. Well, and I think the idea that you can set a lot of those notifications and you, like, we get an email once a week with the overview of everything that happened. And that's all we have it set to. We don't have the immediate notifications. And I know some schools have even turned off the option of allowing people to have immediate notifications. They just like close it off altogether because like, let's say a teacher accidentally put in a 10 instead of a hundred. And then all of a sudden you get like crazy yeah. panicked parents and students and crying and oh my God. And it's like, whoa, slow down. <laughs> like we can fix this. It'll be okay. Yeah. You know, but I, I think a lot of this kind of, I don't know if it's necessarily the technology, but when you think back to like what is really causing all of this, it's this sense of like, I really feel after that economic crash in 2005, when like this is how our families are functioning at this high stress, high competition, like not the same hope that they used to have, like everything seems to be in their face all the time kind of a thing. It's just like, I feel like that anxiety that we have as adults has started to trickle down to our children. And some of these children that are getting to us, that's all they've ever known is this sense of anxiety and competition and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and um, trying to like have all things in place so that you have the best chance to get that future. And so even when we're, we think we have the best intentions of like, hey, sixth grader, think about like what college might you want to go to or, mm -hmm. you know, what career might you want to have or what kinds of things are you interested in? Maybe there's careers in that area. Like we think we have these great intentions of, mm -hmm. of helping that child like find purpose in their learning. Could it be causing anxiety? Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. how do we navigate that? Mm -hmm. Well, even like having emails come to my phone. So like, I resisted setting up my work email to come to my phone. I did for a long time, yeah. yeah but I, I still can't. have resisted. Yeah, <laughs> good job, because now it actually feels better having it there because there's not the weird anxiety of, I wonder if, I wonder what, I need to know now, and I can know now, but then I sometimes wonder if that takes me away from my family time because I get this blip in my head and I have to chase after it and I have to find out and then I have to email somebody and then my kids see that, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, and think about the amount of maturity it takes to be able to get something like that and be able to separate it off to like, okay, this is a work concern. I'm going to I'm gonna handle it tomorrow and be able to shut that off. And our students don't have that kind of maturity necessarily. I mean, we don't I'm always. still working on it. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get it. If I get a, an email that's bothersome at 9 o'clock at night, I'm thinking about it for yeah. an hour before I go to bed. So, I mean, it's it, it did – it actually really reframed that for me in terms of like I've never even considered – what it would be like for a student because we didn't have that when we were in high, that wasn't even a possibility when we were no. all going to school 
And so to understand the pressures of the student in one different aspect, that was really enlightening for me. Well, and I do feel like the number of tools, like we have Schoology, that's our LMS. And if a lot of information is coming out of our LMS to help communicate to students and the updates and the whatever else, it's one set of notifications to, to deal with and customize and it's one app to go to. But like, then you add in things like Remind and TMAP and all of these mm-hmm. other things, you know, and now all of a sudden they're managing multiple notification tools and they're all kind of getting blasted out at the same time. And it's a lot to try to like handle and navigate. And sometimes like information is just too much information, right. mm-hmm. you know, so can we, you know, just focus really well on one thing and make that like, I'm going to communicate in this way. This is where you check and then let that be enough. And to speak to PowerSchool um, a bit more, we give kids a lot of information through PowerSchool. All of our formative assessments are going in there. So I speak with parents a lot about really specific grades, like a five-point assignment. You know, a kid is on their way to mastery. They get a three out of five. It doesn't count, you know, toward their final grade because it's just practice. And yet I have to sit down and defend the D that a three out of five is. When in my mind, that's like, a, okay, we're getting there, we're getting there, let's, mm-hmm. let's show it over time. But it becomes this source of, um, I, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but um, having to defend those little grades is, is hard too. Yeah. It's hard for kids, hard for And the focus on the result and, and not yes. on the learning process, right? right? And if you're not in education, if all you ever knew was the education you had growing up, like that is just a total different paradigm shift. Like we're in it, we evolved with it, it makes sense to us, mm-hmm. but so many of our parents just have no concept of like what that is and like how do we communicate that in a meaningful and constructive way with those stakeholders so that we can eliminate some of that anxiety for them. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? Do we limit, do we make the choice for students and parents? Do we say like, is the best option to say, we're not going to do immediate notifications, you know, like you said, other schools are doing. Or is the approach trying to teach them mm-hmm. balance, and what does that even look like? Yeah, I think it's, we can't shut off technology, yeah. right, in, in this modern age. Um, when students leave us, they're going to be bombarded by the same technology and more and new. And so I think it's about teaching balance, right, like in all things. Mm-hmm. Um how do you manage? How do you navigate? How do you take advantage? But how do you set up time so that you can take care of yourself mm-hmm. and put away the distractions mm-hmm. um, and make sure that you're healthy in, in every way? So I think it's important to teach that balance to our kids and our staff. You know what, too, I was thinking about, like, our kids are going to be the people running these companies, right? And I think about Google allowing nap breaks. And I think about my husband's work at Discover and how um, they're given an hour and a half lunch if they choose to join, have like a membership at the fitness center. And then, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about like, too, if we're talking to our kids about the fact that these things do stress you out when they become in charge of other people, when they become in charge of companies, maybe they can work in um, some different strategies to help people unwind, to help people focus, and to make sure that their lives aren't complicated, over-involved, full of transitions, anxiety, (laughs) uncertainty, pressure, you know, whatever else was happening with these children. Well, I think a greater sense of perspective, too, from a teacher sense, like, I teach earth science, and so for me, my earth science class is the most important thing, (laughs) you know, it's like, yeah, guys, come on, engage, Uh let's do this, you know, whatever, but that's like one of six or seven places that they go just during the school day 
not to mention like everything that they have going on outside of the school day which we hope for our kids like all the research says that if they're involved and they're engaged and stuff like they tend to be better but like I have to understand that my class is not the most important class and like sometimes I have to give a little on the pressure that I put on some of these kids like some of these kids might be okay with a C right now because that's helping them balance other things in their life and I have to know that it's not an attack on me as a person as an educator it's just them trying to balance but if I don't have that conversation to know those things with that kid it's difficult to kind of have that perspective but just taking a step back and going like okay, like what is really important about this situation and can I take that into my communication with that student? To your point, it'd be an interesting organizational conversation or even a national sort of education conversation about appropriate restraints and constraints around um, technology, for example, um, both as a parent and professionally. um, Students talk to me about or my children talk to me about They often have assignments due electronically at 11.59 p.m. Mm -hmm. And it happens frequently, Mm -hmm. um, multiple times a week across multiple classes. And so what does that encourage, right? Of course, it encourages students to be up until 11.59 p.m. to submit something before this Mm -hmm. rather arbitrary deadline. And we know nobody's grading at 12.01 (laughs) a.m. So, and if it were an old-fashioned sort of paper worksheet, it would have been due the next day. Right. Mm -hmm. So what are the appropriate um, internal constraints that would make sense in an organization to help facilitate uh, healthy balance in life? Well, and also to go along with that, also just like the the access for staff in particular, I think, to have access to like um, in addition to this article, a friend of mine just got done reading a book about from Jean Twenge, who talks all about the research of like what technology has on teens also. And I mean, it's a ton of like legit research. How often are we making decisions for our students in their classrooms having information like that? You know what I mean? Like, is that our responsibility to be taking a look at another aspect of a child's or a high school student's experience in school in particular with the technology aspect and Mm -hmm. like, considering that as a professional while I'm creating assignments, while I'm, you know, beginning to think about what my student in my class, their technology responsibility is just to me, and then they've got seven other teachers, and then they've got, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. Well, and I think, too, the the idea of choice, right? Like, is there opportunities for us to provide choice that are both digital and non-digital options, right? Like, we can have students model understanding in a lot of different ways do we need to require all the time that the technology is used i know in my physical science class i tend to make copies and post copies for Mm -hmm. students to make that choice as to how they best access it some kids Mm -hmm. have needs where they want to have it digitally because they have trouble with writing or whatever else and some kids just can't handle it being on the computer at that time so the paper copy is nice Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, providing opportunities for kids to, like, kind of decide for themselves and find that balance for themselves, you know, might be good. Maybe not in all situations, but when when could it be possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that the Jean Twinge, is mm-hmm. that um, something that she comments on in some of her research is that there hasn't been enough studies about academic technology. Right. Most of the studies have been about social media right. and mm-hmm. YouTube videos and things like that. And that has a potential correlation to depression 
and suicide rate and really scary things for teenagers. So I do think this article, albeit that it comes from a religious place, um, brings up some really critical things just about our research in general that we're, we have a gap when it comes to this mm -hmm. academic place and thinking about that if you're getting social media from all these different people, but you're also getting academic, I'm just gonna say academic media, from all these different teachers and all these different assignments, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like one and the same in a lot of ways. Well, and to take this back to like where we started at the beginning, the idea behind this article was one, what it had to say, but also the idea that this was a viral article. When I pulled this up at our meeting last week, two other people were like, oh yeah, I saw that on Facebook. So like this is the type of article that is going out there to parents, that mm -hmm. is getting out there possibly to students. So like, how do we feel about like the kinds of messages that are being sent about what our students and teens are getting into? Hey, if you're looking for an excuse not to engage, here you go, baby. <laughs> right? Like if if parents are already on a rampage or interested in finding something to rampage about. These kinds of viral articles yeah. provide them opportunity where it's like clearly biased in the message, but like super I, interesting yeah. things, you know? <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Do you think you still have the same reaction, Shana, to, that you did? It took me a while to kind of process through some of it, yeah. right? And I think I'm just more worried about that, like how, what kind of, message are we sending out to our parents in what ways are we communicating with them to help better educate them mm -hmm. about why we're doing certain things and like you know what the options are and stuff too so that the, the so that they're not only being presented with these viral triggers right, right. that can like cause them to like Res actually add respond and react yeah. yeah i think we can't overlook the power that mm -hmm. these technological tools have brought to education um, the idea that for many, many years, students and often families often had no idea uh, where their student was at academically in a class until that report card was mailed home. And oftentimes it was a surprise. And so being able to monitor and support students as they go through the course of the year with something, for example, like power school and having a firm understanding of what standards students are doing well at and what standards they need help in um, is a really positive part of the conversation, right? How are our students doing and what kind of supports do we need to bring to the table as a result of what this data is telling us? That's a pretty powerful tool. It's just about how do we infuse it into our daily lives in a way that's powerful and positive mm -hmm. at the same time. We need some Jedi training. <laughs> I mean, I think in general, regardless of whether or not you agree with this article, the idea that it got us talking, the idea that I think some really good things are actually gonna come from this. I. For me personally, it's made me a lot more cognizant of like how I'm going to be talking with students about technology use, both academically and social media wise. So in general, thank you, Tracy, for joining us. Thanks I'm for having so me. I'm so glad you were able to pop in right before this started. Me too. It's and been fun. And for those of us listening, we will go ahead and link the article. Just want to remind you, this was just a random viral article that um, was posted. It has not necessarily any basis in the education world. It was just something we wanted yeah. to respond to. And we will also link up the Gene Twinge um, research if you're interested in reading a little bit more about that. Thanks a lot.